1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here at WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be here in the studio every week talking with some wonderful women from around the country who are doing some wonderful things. And today's show is going to be uh, especially wonderful um, with the story that um, my guest is about to share. Her name is Tiffany Anderson. And Tiffany is the author of Finding Faith, and she's also about to launch a brand new organic anti-aging skincare line called Jave Gold. And Tiffany is joining us by phone today from Las Vegas. Good morning, Tiffany.
2: Good morning, Susan. Glad to be here.
1: I appreciate it. You have to get up a little earlier than we do here in Philadelphia, so thank you.
2: No problem. I'm glad to do it.
1: Um listen, I want to get right into there's so many things I want to talk to you about and um, the hour will go quickly um, okay. but I think it's important for our listeners to um, get some background on you um, and some of the things that that led up to a couple of major events in your life and, and what led you to writing this book. So I thought we'd start out with um, you're growing up in Southern California. Um, with with mom and dad and, and your brother and sister. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, well, I grew up in Southern California, like you said, and I had an older sister and a younger brother. And basically, I had what I would call a very good childhood, you know, typical parents, and mom stayed home and took care of us, and dad went to work, and everything, you know, was just great as a young child. And... Um, Unfortunately, as I got older, probably around the age of 14, I started to feel like something catastrophic was going to happen to me, and there was real no reason for this feeling to come over me. Um, I can't explain why I got that feeling or, um, you know, where it was coming from, but it was just something that I felt that was really going to happen as if I was going to die and so i started to pray to god because my mom had always taught me that if you just pray to god you know you know he'll hear your prayers and he won't give you more than you can handle and i truly believed that as a young child because you know it was my mom telling me so so i prayed to god and i basically said i feel like you know god something's going to happen to me that's going to be horrible but i know that you won't give me more than i can handle and i even made a list of the things that i couldn't handle such as I didn't want to ever be paralyzed, go blind, lose any limbs, or if anyone was with me when this horrible thing happened that I felt like was just part of my destiny, that no one else would get hurt except for me. Um, And that was a really strong statement to make because I really felt in my heart something horrible was going to happen, and I just didn't want anyone else to get hurt either. And I probably prayed that prayer for about a year and then um, after about a year i actually did have a horrific car accident so um it's i was in the car accident on the fourth of july and we were coming back from the beach and um we had a defective tire and we hit the center divider and i was with four of my other friends in the car and i was flown from the car onto the freeway and all of my friends rolled across the freeway five times in the car and um, I actually sustained major injuries I actually had a broken pelvic in five places a broken hip in three I had major um, lacerations throughout my whole body plus road rash all over my body um, main cuts in two of the main arteries um, my face was really messed up. I had a cut coming down to my forehead on the side of my face. And, but the worst of it was that I did break my back in three places. And the doctors actually told my mom that I would never walk again. So, um, but the good news was is that all of my friends were unscathed. They literally walked away with just cuts and bruises. So that was miracle one answered right there to me. And even though the doctors did tell my mom that I would never walk again because my injuries were so severe, I actually did end up walking out of the hospital about eight months later. Right. So for me, God answered my prayers. And it was a rough, rough road, but he did answer my prayers.
1: You know, Tiffany, you talk a lot in the book about having um, <clears throat> these premoni- premonitions and, and feelings of, of things that are about to come. Was that first one when you were 14?
2: that was the first one when I was 14 that was the very first one I ever had um and I don't even know how it's really like a feeling I don't know how else to explain it other than to say it's just something that comes over me that I start to feel like it's going to happen and that was the first one I had and then um I would say probably the second one I started to have was later in my life um and it could have, this could be, the second one could have been more fueled by the first one because I did live through a catastrophic event. And um, the living through something like that was very difficult, and I don't think I really ever got over it until I was older, much older in my life. Um, I buried it down, and I forgot about it, but that doesn't mean you dealt with it, you know. So I just kind of buried it for a while. Right. And then as I got older, I think it started to manifest into um, more of a strong depression and the feeling that I was going to die at a very young age. And that feeling came over me probably about the time that I was 28. I had a feeling like I am going to die something. I just, I know I'm going to die at a young age. And so I can't really um, pinpoint if that second one um, Came from the accident because of the injuries I sustained, and I was starting to get major arthritis in my back. And my doctors told me that, you know, I was going to be medicated for the rest of my life because of the major injuries that I sustained. So they had me on like five different pharmaceuticals. And you know, when you're 28 and you're trying to still want to live your life, um, that was kind of a hard pill to swallow then, too. So um, I don't know, you know, exactly if that one came truly from my intuition or from being fed from the doctors that, you know, I was going to be in chronic pain the rest of my life, and that kind of fed into it, too, but then by the time I was 32, I did get stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I did, in fact, almost die from that.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, um, <clears throat> you know, we you just told that story, you know, in a very, very short period of time, but for the listeners, um, you really went, through a tremendous amount of physical and emotional ups and downs. Um, I did. You were, so this happened in uh, 1987, am I right? Yes. The car accident. Mm-hmm. And yes. you spent six months in the hospital? Yep, approximately right? six months. Mm-hmm. And then um, just, you know, that you talked also about the fear that you had when the doctor finally said that you could go home. Um, I wonder if you can talk about that fear that you had about going back to, you know, what was once your normal life. Right. Um, which should have been a joyous time for you to be going home, but it really was quite scary.
2: Right. Yeah, um, going home for me was, in the end, when I actually started to go home, was not something I even wanted to do. Um, for the, probably the first four months while I was in the hospital, I, that's all I wanted was to go home. But what I wanted to do was go home to my high school sweetheart. So what you have the stage set for is pretty much just typical high school drama stuff that was going on. Right. And um, my high school sweetheart, in his defense, we had broken up just um, shortly before the car accident. And I was dating someone else. And so I was in the car accident with um, another, my ex-boyfriend and three of my other friends. But when the accident happened, I really gravitated towards my high school sweetheart because I was madly in love with him and everybody knew it and I knew that he still very much loved me as well too. So he really stepped up to the plate and became the person that I needed at that time to help me survive. You know, He told me he loved me and that he would be there for me and he did everything he could to help me live because I was very close on the verge of death the whole time I was in the hospital because of a severe staph infection and um, anorexia because I could not eat. I was close to 75 pounds um, the whole time that I was trying to recover, and it was a constant concern of the doctors to get weight on me so that they could continue with surgeries because I had... um, one surgery after the other due to um, the first surgery for my back not turning out so well. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason I was in the hospital for so long. And so um, I really was trying to fight for my life. And unfortunately, about the fourth month in, um, I found out that my high school sweetheart was dating one of my really good friends. And they had actually come to visit me in the hospital together when I didn't know that they were actually dating So this, when I found this out, this absolutely devastated me because to me it was a betrayal type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been a betrayal even if I wouldn't have been in the accident, you know, because you just don't date your girlfriend's boyfriends back then type of thing. Oh, right. So I felt a a strong betrayal. I was just absolutely devastated, and um, I lost my will to completely survive And so I pretty much gave up on um, life and on eating, and that was quite detrimental to me because, as I said, I was already like 75 pounds and had a feeding tube in my nose, and um, I had at one point pulled the feeding tube out of my nose, and the doctor that I had at that time, Dr. Thomas, who is an amazing miracle man in his own right, he basically saved my life you know, by threatening me like a father would and said, if you don't you know, stop this nonsense of pulling out this feeding tube, I'm going to actually put a feeding tube permanently in your stomach and you won't be able to pull it out. So you better start eating, young lady.
1: (laughs) Was this when they uh, decided to send you to the the Redlands uh, Clinic?
2: That was about the time they decided to send me to the Redlands Eating Disorder Clinic. I actually needed more surgeries coming up um, on my back that would change the quality of my life because Mm -hmm. um, my first surgery was I had Harrington rods put in my back, and they were put in um, at an angle that was curved opposite of my spine. So my spine was literally arched completely opposite as it should have been. And so um, this caused me to severely hunch over and walk like an 80-year-old hunchback with a walker in front of me and two therapists on either side. And so, of course, I was dealing with that traumatic experience and not wanting to live through, um, you know, if I was going to be left in that condition, I did tell God I would kill myself when I got out of the hospital because I couldn't imagine living my life walking like that the rest of my life. And so um, I was sent to this Dr. Thomas, who was a great specialist at the time, And he ended up taking the rods out and fixing my back, and it was like a miracle. He had me up walking straight the next day after this surgery. And, um, you know, I realized that he was from God, and I cried, and I, you know, thanked God for him, bringing him into my life. And then that same day is when I found out that my high school sweetheart was actually dating my friend. And um, that's what set me... Back tenfold.
1: Set you back emotionally. Had- it's interesting. You know, it sets you back emotionally when you were just physically um, getting better.
2: Right. I was just physically starting to have hope and realize, oh my gosh, I can walk normal. This could be a sign from God. And then, boom, I get hit with that, and I just don't have the will to fight. I don't. I can't even talk to anyone because it's humiliating. First of all. I didn't want to tell my mom because she would be absolutely devastated because she knew how much I loved my high school sweetheart. So um, it was just terribly humiliating. So to say the least, um, Dr. Thomas couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and why I wouldn't fight for my life. So he put me in an eating disorder hospital, and that was a very interesting experience in and of itself. And. Um, a little bit scary at times as well mm-hmm. and so it that place definitely got me to eat probably not for the reasons that they were hoping but it definitely forced me to want to get out of there right as quickly as possible right so um let's see then once i got through the eating disorder hospital is when i went back to the hospital had some more surgeries and then i knew i was going home to my wonderful high school life and um I was just so angry at that point. I had always thought that my faith in God was so strong because as a young girl, he was my best friend, and I just talked to him all the time. I knew he would always be there to take care of me. But this just seemed to be too much, you know, like when you hear God won't give you more than you can handle, and then you actually think, okay, this is more than I can handle. So um, there was definitely times... um, during that period that I lost my faith in God and got very, very angry.
1: You know, and, uh, I, I wonder if I could ask you, um, you mentioned that you talk a lot about your relationship with God, and really, I think that's probably what pulled you through that um, time in your life and continues to. And you said that you were not um, really raised in a religious home, so to speak, but that, you know, your mom spoke of God. I wonder how you developed that relationship with God at a young age
2: sure um, I can't say there was any really one thing that happened to me when I was young that drew me close to God when I was young Um, I know that my mom just always told me you know Jesus Christ is your Savior you know he died for our sins Um, believe in him and talk to him and he will always be there he will not you know God will never leave or forsake you so I don't think at that point in my life I even understood what jesus christ did or the difference between jesus and god or any of that i just had um i just really believed that there was a a greater being than ourselves that created us and um i wanted to feel close to that spirit or that being um and i can't really explain why that was instilled in me it was just a strong feeling that i had that there was never any doubt in my head that there was a God, there was something greater than ourselves out there, Mm -hmm. um, that had to have created this world. And even as a young child, you know, I would say, God, please protect the children of the world. Because I knew I had a great life as a child, but I knew there was a lot of children who didn't. And that always kind of, you know, bothered me too. So I was always praying for the lost children of the world. It was just something that was put upon my heart and, um, I've always had a strong connection to the spiritual world, I guess you could say. Um, And I'll tell this story. It wasn't in the book. But um, when my mother, which was 14, um, this is another thing that happened to me when I was about 14. When my mother was, actually my mother was 13, her mother died of breast cancer. And so I never knew my grandmother. But when I was 13... I started to mourn the death of my grandmother as if she had just died just then that, during that period of my life, and I would cry myself to sleep feeling like I missed my grandmother just terribly. I couldn't explain why, but um, I would go to sleep, and I would dream, and in my dreams, she actually would come to me and visit me and talk to me and tell me, I'm here with you, Tiffany. I'm always here with you. I love you. And she would say, Come sit on my lap. I want to brush your hair. And she would always be in this rocking chair and she would want to brush my hair. And so I would just, in my dream, go sit on her lap and talk to her. And um, when I was awake, I could remember those dreams. And I started, you know, kind of just as an imaginary friend, talking to her too during the day. Not that I didn't hear her. I just, you know, I was a young child and I was trying to grasp all of this. And Mm -hmm. so to me, she was just like a guardian angel. And I would say, you know, I love you, Grandma, and thank you for visiting me in my dream. Well, later in my life, I had told my mom, I never even knew what happened to my grandma when she died or anything. I didn't know the circumstances or anything about it. I just asked my mom, what happened to Grandma? And she said, well, she had breast cancer when I was 13, and she passed away. And I thought that was weird that I started feeling that way about when I was 13. And so then I told my mom, you know, that she would come to visit me in my dreams and that I believed, or I would dream about her and then I believed that I probably saw her in my dreams. And my mom got really quiet and just froze. And I was like, "What? what's wrong, Mom? And she said, when, before your grandmother passed away, all she ever wanted me to do was sit on her lap while she was in her rocking chair so she could brush my hair. Oh, wow. Because that's all she had the energy to do. She yeah. would say, come here, Marsha, let me brush your hair before you go play. And she was always in her rocking chair. Wow,
3: that's and I amazing.
2: didn't even know she had a rocking chair, which happened to be on the porch outside, which I said too. Yeah. So, um, you know, at that point I felt like, wow, I have a really strong connection to this spirit world. And um, I just, you know, believed. Like, I, I don't know how else to explain it, yeah. but then I just really believed.
1: So those things are not always easy to explain. Um, Tiffany, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about, um, you know, the years following your hospital stay. We'll be right
4: back. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
5: The Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at wpn at villanova.edu or visit their website at villanova.edu slash WPN. Go Nova!
6: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits, and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized Success InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Um, We're here with Tiffany Anderson this morning from uh, Las Vegas. And Tiffany is the author of a book called Finding Faith. And uh, Tiffany is sharing with us um, a story of uh, some tragic events in her life that occurred, more than one, and um, what led her to to do what she's doing today. And uh, Tiffany, um, before the break, we, we pretty much were uh, covering the, the period of your life uh, where you had an accident and um, months and months and months of surgeries and um, a lot of emotional ups and downs as well. Um, I'd like to talk about you know your life then when you did go home and what those following years were like for you.
2: Okay. Um, well, once I left the hospital, um, I went home to my high school drama which was um, my high school sweetheart was dating my girlfriend. And um, that was quite traumatic for me. And unfortunately, the anger that I felt towards that came out in a lot of different ways. And um, it actually ended in two fist fights. And that happened while I was wearing a back brace. Oh boy. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea. No, that was not a good idea. Um, and, you know, I'll say in her defense, I did hit her first. She did confront me, but I did hit her first because I just had so much anger in my heart. Right. And um, so that was a very difficult period of time in my life, and because of that, I grew very, very angry at God. And there was a point in my life that... Um, I actually told God that I hated him, and I really feel at that point in my life, it was, there was so much that had led up to that. It wasn't just, you know, the fist fight. It was just one little incident over a next. Right. And, um, when I said I hated God the first time, I definitely meant it, and I definitely told him that I wished that he would have just killed me in that accident if I was going to have to come back and live through the life I was living And when I said that, I actually saw a dark cloud coming from the corner of my room. And I know it sounds very unbelievable. And it seemed unbelievable to me at the time as well. I don't even know if I believed that it was happening, but it was just, it looked like um, a, a little ball of smoke or something coming up from the corner of my room. I don't know how to explain it. It was just a dark cloud that I could see manifesting and it definitely freaked me out (laughs) and um, I prayed to God at that very moment because I felt instinctively in my heart that I had done something um, so bad that it possibly opened a door to the dark in this world and when I said a prayer I just said God I'm sorry forgive me you know I love you I'm just very disturbed I'm sorry I'm sorry And when I said that, a really cold breeze rushed through my room, and that dark cloud dissipated. So, of course, I chalked up the cold breeze to the wind coming through my window, but I actually did this on two other occasions, and the exact same thing happened. By the third time, I did not believe anymore that it was a coincidence. I believed that it was what I had seen was a dark cloud, and it was probably not A good thing. It was probably a bad thing.
1: A reminder, perhaps? Yes.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. That God is real. And I think at that time, you know, looking back, um, I think it could have been also God's way of allowing me to know that he is real and he is here with me. And maybe because I was so disturbed at that time, he was trying to allow me to see something like that because he knew I would cry out for him again and that he could prove to me, that he was real
3: mm-hmm.
2: by pushing that thing away from me and saying, I will protect you. Right. right. And um, I don't think I even realized that until this very interview right now, <laughs> because I'm always trying to think to myself, you know, what was why, the message? What was the message? And I think that was the message, because back then when I would say that prayer and that cold breeze came through the room, I felt the peace of God around me. I felt it. And it was so strong that it reminded me that God is real and that my connection with him was real. And I think he knew I needed that because of everything I had been through that was so traumatic at that time in my life.
3: Right, right.
2: So um, at that point in my life, um, you know, I never said I hated God again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I I think it's important to talk about um, Tony, Uh, a very important person in your life that seemed to have um, come in at just the right time. Um, Yes, he did. Talk about him a little bit and and how you two met.
2: Okay. Tony is now um, my husband of 15 years and the love of my life. And um, when I met him, I had just overcome another tragedy um, in my life, which I considered at that time a tragedy. Um, I was actually fairly newly divorced of about probably six months, four to six months when I actually met Tony. Mm -hmm. And my first husband and I were together for about almost 10 years, nine or 10 years. And unfortunately that ended in a divorce um, because we both had physical hardship that we could never overcome. Mine was my car accident and his was a plastic hip. So we were two very broken people that could never, um, fix each other, let alone ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, it ended in a divorce and I was really devastated over it. And at that time in my life, I just felt like, well, every, you know, my marriage is over and my doctors just told me I'll be drugged for the rest of my life. So, um, I didn't see really much hope left in my life. And, and I, how old were you at this time? Tiffany? At that time, I was about 28 years old. Okay. And um, I was basically, you know, of the mindset that if I'm going to die, then it's just going to be, and I really don't care about my life anymore. So I just started going out to the bar scene and, you know, living a life that was definitely probably not a godly life. So I met Tony in the bar scene, and um, to me, he was at the time just – something to have fun, and he was just a fun, energetic person that I really gravitated towards and wanted to be around. And he actually, through time, I can't explain how he woke me up, but it was as if he wrapped his arms around me and just started breathing life into me. And um, he gave me a reason to live. And I think he did see that I was a very hurting soul. I think he saw that sooner on than I wanted him to. Mm-hmm. And I think that his type of personality, now that i you know, been married to him for 15 years, he has a type of personality that he wants to help. He wants to um, be a caretaker. He's very much that role. Mm-hmm. And um, so he really just saw probably this broken girl and kind of wanted to help me. And so he did for a long time and as time went on he became a strong, strong role model for me and um, really helped get my life cleaned up. He definitely helped get me off of all the pharmaceutical medications that I was on and that was something that I wanted to do myself as well because living that life was just no way to live. You know, it's just no way to live to be constantly drugged and Medicated, And I was just medicating my life away. I was trying to sleep and sedate myself probably to death because I just didn't think I could have a good life. I wasn't going to be able to have kids because of the accident. Right. And, you know, what kind of a wife would I even be to anyone who even loved me? How I would be a, a sickly messed up wife. Well, what kind of life is that to give this new man that I'm falling in love with? So I was very depressed over that as well. But at the same time, I was falling deeply and madly in love. And so I was really conflicted because I wanted to live, but I didn't know how I was going to live and how I was going to be the wife to Tony that I wanted to be. Right. And it was at that point that um, he started saying, I think we need God. You know, I think you need God. And no one had ever really said that to me, although I knew in my life, throughout my life, that I needed God. But there was so much time in my life that I just, you know, I would pray and I just then I spent time away from him. I think there was years that I didn't even pray or think about. I just lived my life. I didn't even really think about it other than to, you know, talk to him in my head every now and then about how much I hated my life at that time. But Tony was very instrumental in helping me work through what actually happened to me in the car accident, which no one had ever really tried to do with me before. So, um he started, you know, telling me to read the Bible and bringing in some Christian CDs, one of which was very powerful to me, which was Why Christians Suffer by Joyce Myers. And um I started listening to the tapes and reading the Bible and I started actually receiving really strong messages from God through reading the Bible that so strong that I actually felt compelled to start writing it down and um It wasn't at the time that I thought I was going to write a book or anything about this. I was actually trying to go through a healing process, and um, it did take close to 17 years to write the book, and I don't even know how many copies I've written because the first hundred copies were a healing process, and there was so much anger and hurt coming out of me that I could have never really, really told that side of it or else it would have come off way too much like an angry hurt revenge book and that's not what I wanted because the truth of the fact is God did heal me in that car accident I went through some horrific things but life is life kids are kids things happen and I've forgiven everyone and everything that's happened to me and I actually really truly see the things that I've been through as a great blessing because i was able to draw so close to god through all that hardship and i think it's only through some of the really extreme hardships that you can really be that close i really do believe that and i know people have said it and you'd think oh gosh but you don't want to go through something that hard to have to be that close to god and i understand that train of thought too but it's such a precious place to be so broken, and to have no one or anything to lean upon except for God, and then to feel that power, I can't even explain it, other than to say that when I read my book, it helps me still strengthen my own faith all the time. I go, wow, these things are real. They did happen, and God is real, and he did never, he never left me or forsake me, and he was always there, and it's just like the footprint story. You know, when you see two sets of footprints, and you think God is with you, and then at the point you only see one set of footprints, and you're like, where were you, God? Well, he was carrying you, and that's how I feel.
1: Yeah, that that's wonderful. You know, so, so really this book, Finding Faith, came from years and years of a journal um, that you kept to try yes. to work through all of these
2: events. That's exactly what it was. It was more of a journal— And as I started um, getting towards the end, there was a point when I was writing that I didn't even think I would live to see the end. I thought I would probably die before it was over, um, but I was so desperately trying to get out as much of the story that God wanted me to get out because when the point came when I started seeing... um, the messages that I was receiving to the Bible, and I thought, wow, this could possibly inspire other people because I know it's inspiring me, you know? Right, right. So I thought this could possibly inspire other people, and I really wanted to get it out. I was obsessed with writing and trying to get this story out to glorify God, not to tell my story because it's not about me and what happens to me. I want people to see... Um, you know, the love of God that shined through me. And that's what I want them to be left with.
1: Yeah. Well, I will tell you, you know, I, I read the book. I read the whole book, you yes. know, from beginning to end. And um, you really, it's written in such a way that it really emotionally takes you through the journey. You, it, you write it um, in a way that I think the reader feels all those emotions Um, and you know, typical stuff, you know, when, when you are a teenager, everything is dramatic and, um, always seems much worse than it is. And you feel that when you're reading it, it really does, um, allow you to kind of be grateful, uh, you know, for the things that you do have in life. Um, you know, I'd love to start talking, you know, this has been, uh, a lot of this interview has been about um, the negativity and the sadness. And I don't want to not talk about the wonderful turnaround and things that have come into your life um, Absolutely. since you and Tony met. And the, the first thing is that um, you decided to go back to school and yeah. go, uh, you went to a cosmetology school. And I, is that something that was always of interest to you?
2: You know what it was? Um, I started going back to cosmetology school and stayed in school after my accident, I once I realized that um, physically I was broken, I knew I had to focus on something positive in my life, and even if I um, was going to have a horribly physically broken life, which I felt like, I still had to find that positive thing to focus on. So throughout my entire life, I've always continued to stay in school, whether it be for Um, aesthetics or nutrition or herbology sports medicine whatever it was I always had to have something to focus on and it wasn't about um, thinking that I was going to go make a million dollars off of these things that I was learning it was about keeping the dream alive I had to have a dream and something positive to focus on or I was going to die because I was dying a little bit every day and I feel like for me, my inspiration comes from, you know, dreaming, trying to dream about something. And for me, a lot of that was dream about fixing or repairing my body through nutrition. So I studied nutrition as a way to survive as well. But I became really inspired about the things that I learned. And, and I just thought, wow, other people should know that you can repair the body naturally. Right. Because after I went through stage four um, cancer and radiation, I literally was able to get off every pharmaceutical drug that I was on, and I'm 42, 43, I just had a birthday, 43 now, and I haven't been on pharmaceutical drugs since I had cancer. And I haven't needed them because I've reversed a lot of the damage and the, um, the pain and the, from the arthritis through herbology and nutrition. So that was very inspiring to me, and I really wanted to help other people realize they don't have to be drugged their whole life, but they do have to take care of their body. And so this kind of led me on a search um, as far as nutrition, and Tony was very inspirational in that in saving my life when I had cancer. He researched everything for nutrition. He really helped fuel that and put me on a, a crazy diet to you know, help repair cancer naturally, which we did reverse our cancer in half the time than we normally do, even though I was, I still did massive chemo and radiation. But um, that kind of put us both on our own mission and Mm -hmm. of just health and herbs. And I was introduced to some people that had some really amazing elements. And it happened to be liquid gold that's spagyriically prepared in a way that no other liquid gold is prepared. And because I'm a medical esthetician, and I had already had a botanical skincare line, I started hearing about this gold and how powerful it is. Um, it's basically like you crack open an eggshell, you remove the metal body, and they extract the yolk of the gold, which is the sulfur and the nutrients from it. And it's very potent. Um, so I wanted to infuse that into a skincare line, and that is what we are now doing with Jave Gold. And we have not just the liquid gold, but also some cell salts, which help repair every cell in the body. And so these elements that I gained access to were very interesting because they have actually been marinating like a bottle of fine wine for over 30 years. And I just found that story very intriguing. And so I just did a lot of research and found more and more elements through this particular group And now we've created this massive line and we're getting ready to launch it in um, 12 of the hotels, um, 35,000 rooms, our infomercial in 35,000 rooms of 12 of the top hotels. So we're really excited about that.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I want to hear more about the business, Tiffany, um, and and what the future holds for for your company. We're going to take one last quick break and we'll come back with Tiffany Anderson.
5: Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at wpn at villanova.edu or visit their website at villanova.edu slash WPN. Go Nova!
6: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610 592 800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
4: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face to face not somebody wearing a headset a 1,000 miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norrington and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's
5: 877-239-8330. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484 484- or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We're in the studio today with Tiffany Anderson, who is author of Finding Faith. And this book was written um, for Tiffany for for two reasons, really, to um, kind of uh, find a way to heal after some very serious um, an accident and some other um, challenges in her life. And also, she wanted to share some lessons with her readers um, about what it takes to actually get through periods like that in life and and finding God. Um, Tiffany, we we did cover a lot in the first half of the show, and I really want to end on a positive note and talk about all the wonderful things that are going on for you now. And um, so I guess the biggest thing is this um, new company, and am I pronouncing it right? It's Jave Gold, not Gave Gold?
2: That's correct. It's Jave. We have a slash over the first E, so it's it's a French word.
1: Okay. And can you talk about uh, the doctor that's behind the science for this skincare line that you met?
2: Um, As far as, okay, the doctor who's behind the science of the elements, we have several doctors involved. Um, Dr. Rydell was actually um, the grandmaster of the spagyric processing of the 19th century. And he actually passed away Back in 1980, I believe it was,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he had taught this other um, group of alchemists because these elements are based off of alchemy, the spagyric processes.
1: Can you can you d- explain what that this that that process that you're you're pronouncing that I can't pronounce? Sure, what exactly that process is that extracting the gold? You know the elements from the gold.
2: Yes. The okay. spagyric process is a process that they use to extract the nutrients of the gold. Um, Most people who infuse liquid gold in a skincare are using colloidal or nanoparticles of gold. That is very, very tiny particles of the metal body itself. Mm -hmm. And that gets infused into the skincare. And I'm actually a holistic health practitioner now as well, and I would consider that toxic. We are always trying to tell people to take metal out of their Body. Get the metal out of your teeth and, mm-hmm. you know, do metal detoxes. So that's not something that I would recommend. But what the spagyric process does is it actually removes the metal and uses only the nutrients of the gold, which is a very difficult process. Right. The reason that liquid gold is so popular in skin care and everybody wants to use it and knows about it is because Cleopatra did use this liquid gold, but she did not use it in a colloidal or nanoparticles. She used it the spagiric process way, and that's a very difficult way to explain. Um, it takes months and even years to create a large amount of these elements, which is why it's not done in the mainstream, because it's, kind of, it's more like growing an organic form, um, growing it in the wild with no pesticides. The other way, the colloidal way, is like more of a genetically modified way, which you can do on the mass and very quickly. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So Dr. Rydell, he actually had an institute where he was educating um, his apprentice to make these elements. And before he passed away, 30 years ago, he had made large batches of these elements, and he had told them to put them aside because the world wouldn't understand the potency of them and that he said in 30 years, 20, 30 years, there'll be a huge alternative movement. Take them out, do something with them at that time. So he was definitely wise before his time because we are definitely in an alternative movement right now.
3: Right, yes. Um,
2: So that group went ahead and put those elements away upon his death. And they have been basically um, the masters of this process ever since. And they are the group that... I'm involved with, and I actually have exclusive rights to these elements as well, I must say. And so now we are infusing them in the skincare. They've been using them throughout these years for um, internal remedies
3: mm-hmm. because
2: they're historically used for internal remedies as well as skincare. But when I met them, they saw that I was the medical esthetician, that I had a great story behind me because I'm always searching out for elements to help repair the body, which is how I found them because these elements have great restorative powers for the body as well. So I realized that and I wanted to put them in the skincare because anything that's nutrition for the body is typically nutrition for the skin. So we infuse them into the skin, they act as a catalyst, and they help the other botanicals draw deeper into the skin, and they are pure nutrition for the skin cells. So that's a great thing that we have going on there. And I was just very excited to be able to gain access to these as well as other things like omega oils, um, derivative from an egg oil, typically known as egg oil, but the spagyric process that they do has purified it to a point that even people with allergic reactions to eggs can use this product because it's very purified. It takes about 50 organic egg yolks to make even a single ing- ingredient of these products. So we're excited to have that in our product as well and that is very beneficial um, historically it's helped with burns acne scars um, very helps the skin repair so we actually have the oil of gold the cell salts and the omega oil in all of our products
1: okay you know it, this is such a huge um, field right now you know organic and skincare, care yes. and um, you know it, it there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of anti-aging skincare care lines, um, all touting, you know, organic elements and, and ingredients. And I, I wonder what, what you're doing to try to set yourself apart from all of these other companies, a lot of them who've, you know, been around for many, many years.
2: Sure. Well, the main point of difference that we have right now is several things. The elements that we're using, the... Um, 30-year-old gold and the 20-year-old cell salts, they are not used in mainstream. They're not, they've never been seen in skincare. Okay. Um, The people that I got it from know that it would be good for skincare, but they were so overwhelmed with their internal side, they could not focus on a skincare. So they said, you take the skincare, you run with it, do something with it because it would be great in a skincare. So that's what I did, but I took it a step further and I followed the strict guidelines of the EWG and the European Union for safe cosmetics. So I literally researched all the ingredients out there to make sure that none of the ingredients in my product are toxic because there's a lot of products out there that do say organic natural and they still have ingredients in there that you probably don't want to put on your skin.
1: Right, or, I mean, th- there's often a, um, a worry of, some type of an allergic reaction too.
2: that as well. Now, anyone can have an allergic reaction to anything, even a natural element. Some people can be allergic to citrus essential oil. Right. So that's something that could happen no matter what, because it's just a common thing that can happen. But um, so far, knock on wood, we haven't had any allergic reactions. But we do use um, natural essential oils, we use food grade essential oils, as a matter of fact, in our products to scent them. So we tried to really keep with that theme, that if it's you know good for the body, it's good for the skincare. Right. And um, we are definitely getting really good clinical results because we also use um, high concentrations of peptides and stem cells in our products. And when you're using natural brightening agents such as peptides, you have to use them in high concentrations in order to get a similar result to hydroquinone, which, of course, is toxic to cells. So we've really had to step it up and put a lot of top-notch modern technology in our products as well to help gain the results of the product. And we've definitely done that. We've got some great third-party clinical studies, and those will be on our website. And um, I think, you know, just the idea of really creating something that does work and is good for the skin. Yeah. I think that's going to be the key point of difference, as well as the purified liquid gold. Um, I can tell you that the natural community understands these elements. When we first introduced this um, product line at the American Board for Anti-Aging um, in Florida last year, we did have a doctor who was very interested in gaining exclusive rights to sell this product to the entire state of Florida.
1: Wow. You know what? I always am happy to hear when the medical field wants to partner with, you know, the, the organic um, industry um, because, there's, you know, they see the the value and kind of coming at it from both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, yes. Uh, you know what, Tiffany? We only have one minute left, so I want to make sure that you give your um, website address out. And any Absolutely. contact information for you?
2: Sure. It's javegold.com, and that's G-A-V-E-E-G-O-L-D.com. And you can find every all the information on contact information at that website.
1: That's terrific. And your book as well, Finding Faith, um, yes. I highly recommend to, to our listeners as well. Um, Tiffany, I thank you so much for being with me today. I wish we had more time. Thank you, Susan, for Um, having me. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. Again, my name is Sue Rocco, and we'll be back next week with another wonderful guest.